I hope you're enjoying the holiday season. Uh, the boys, Mary and I, we were able to go look at Christmas lights last night. So we drove um, at, out in Jackson to, to find some Christmas lights and we went to the house. It's like Amberwood or something like that. Have, has anybody else been there? I'm just curious. Sarah, you've been there? It's a pretty cool house. Uh, to look at the line, though, there are just there were just tons of cars last night, so it took a while to get to the house. Um, if I was a neighbor of that person, I don't know how much I would enjoy it, um, but it's really cool to go see. Um, yeah, so hope hope you're having a good holiday season. We're trying to help you have the best holiday season possible here at Abundant Life by helping you to focus on the reason for the season, right? That the true light has come. Um, I want to continue looking at that miracle with you, and we're going to be in John 1 once again. This time we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. We've already looked at these verses, but I think there's more there that I'd like to point out to you that I think will allow you to help, or will help you and allow you to celebrate more fully this week as we celebrate Christmas. Um, so let me read those verses to you. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So when we looked at these verses the first time, I pointed out that these verses contain critical information regarding the identity of Christ. So from these verse, we, verses, we learn that Jesus has always existed uh, with God the Father, that he's always been in loving community with God the Father, and that the world we live in was a creative product of a partnership between God the Father and Jesus, and the rest of the scriptures tell us the Holy Spirit as well. So these are very important truths if you're going to think about who Jesus was and is. But I think John is doing something more than just giving us this wonderful information about Jesus' identity. And here's what I think he's doing. Notice that he starts out with in the beginning. So John is making his audience think about creation. What happened at creation? Well... Uh, God worked through Jesus to bring the world from a state of nothingness to a state of formlessness and voidness where darkness was covering the deep to a state of fullness and order. And then John, so he takes us back to the beginning and then in verse 5 he like switches to present day and this is what he says. In the, in the darkness, or light shines in the darkness. Here's what I think John is doing. And this leads us to the first point. Just as Jesus was the agent through which God made creation, he is also the agent through which God would make a renewed creation. So I believe John is telling us that, look, a new start is about to start. A new beginning is about to begin. A new world is about to be birthed into existence. This is remarkable. Um, John is telling us that once again, God is going to work through Jesus to take this world that is covered not in literal physical darkness like at the beginning, 
but is covered by the darkness of evil and sin. And there's a whole bunch of emptiness in this world as a result. And in human hearts, there's a ton of emptiness. He is going to take it all. He's going to penetrate the darkness once again. And he's going to make a life, a world of order and fullness. And when I think about these verses this way, it gives me chills. When I was preparing this sermon, that's what went through my body because John is saying the long wait is over. That God has broken his silence. What he has promised through the prophets for centuries is about to lift off. This is what John is doing in these five verses. It gives me chills. This is why we sing at Christmas. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. In heaven and nature sing. No more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. Why? Because Jesus comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. Do these, I mean, these, 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 this song is always meaningful every Christmas, but man, is it even more so meaningful in 2020, right? You see, Jesus' birth were the first rays of light of a new day. A new day that will eradicate the, the, the darkness. And Jesus' birth was the sure sign that the darkness is on its way out for good. And the remarkable thing is this baby in the manger, yes, he came to save individual sinners, and that's extremely important, but he came to not just do that, but to save the entire world. Jesus' redemption is cosmic in scope. It's much bigger than what we tend to do in the West, make it all about us, our individual selves. This, it's way more. And so, when exactly, if Jesus' birth signals this new world is about to launch, when did it officially launch? This leads us to our second point. Jesus' resurrection officially launched God's new world. Because what did God do to Jesus' dead body? He took his dead body, he breathed life into it, renewed it, healed it, made it whole, raised it to new life to never die again. And that is, the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, the first fruits. And so what Paul is saying, you know, you know what the first fruits are, they're the, the first fruits gathered in from the harvest. And they're signaling that a greater harvest is yet to come. Paul is saying Jesus is that. And his resurrection is that. What God did, he's going to do to other dead things. That's what Paul is telling us in 1 Corinthians 15. What are those other dead things that God will work through Jesus to bring to life? Well, that leads us to the third point. Jesus will renew those individuals that have believed in and received him. Like Jesus, these individuals are going to be raised. They're going to be Renewed, Their new life is going to be breathed into them. They're going to be resurrected to never die or experience sickness and decay again. Um, what about those that aren't in Christ by believing and receiving Jesus? Well, John 5.29, if we were going to go there, tells us they're going to be raised to life. 
But it's going to be a life, unfortunately, of condemnation. That's what John 5.29 tells us. Other verses describe it as eternal torment. And so although they're going to be raised to life, the life that they're going to be raised to really can't even be described as life. Eternal death, ongoing death, is really the description of it. Those individuals continue to fall apart, unravel, disintegrate into evil. So, individual believers will be raised and renewed. What about, what, what other dead things will Jesus raise to life? Well, Jesus, and this is the fourth point, will renew the non-human creation. Genesis 3 and Romans 8 make it clear that the non-human creation, we're talking about the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, the things that creep on the ground, we're talking about the rivers, streams, rock hills, and plains, right? We're talking about everything that we see except for people is the non-human creation. And Romans 3 and Romans 8 tell us that because of our mismanagement as God's representatives and as His image bearers that were made to rule over the non-human creation, because of our mismanage of it, mismanagement of it, it is suffering, it is groaning. And you think about what we humans and our endless desire for more and more have done to God's non-human creation. The pollution, the, the, the devastation of our forests and our rainforests. Um, it's just, it's crazy. God tells us that this creation is suffering and it is waiting eagerly. For what? What is the creation eagerly anticipating for the sons of God to be revealed. Paul tells us in Romans 8. Who are the sons of God? Well, the sons of God are those who have believed in and received Jesus as Lord and have been adopted into God's family. Why does creation eagerly, why is creation eagerly anticipating these sons of God to be revealed? Well, this is why. Because when the sons of God are resurrected and renewed, guess what? They're going to be able to live the way that God always has intended them to live. They're going to be able to then manage the creation in a way that will actually bring liberation to the non-human creation instead of decay and death. That's why Romans 8.21 says, and this is Paul writing here, Creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Because the children of God are made new, they are now able to steward it, the creation in a life-giving, righteous way that's full of goodness, peace, and prosperity. And it will lead to the non-human creation liberated and experiencing freedom. How remarkable is this? What about those individuals who rejected Christ and will be raised to a life, but we can't call it life at all. It's more like an endless death. What about these individuals? Will they be able to corrupt the world again? And the answer is no. Um, they're going to be quarantined uh, forever in, in a place that Revelation 21.8 describes as a lake of fire and brimstone. Now, people for generations have 
you know, had the discussion, well, is the lake of fire and brimstone meant to be taken literally or literally or symbolically? Um, either way you take it, it is of no comfort to those who are not in Christ through believing and receiving Jesus. Because even if it is symbolic, the literal reality that those words are describing must be a reality that is horrendously painful, isolating, and miserable. So let's review here. Number one, just as Jesus was the agent through which God made creation, he was also the agent through which God would renew creation. And Jesus' birth is like, it's about to happen, right? Jesus' resurrection was the official launch of God's renewed creation. Thirdly, Jesus will renew those individuals that have believed in and received him. Fourthly, Jesus will renew the non-human creation. This is all extraordinary. And if a person is listening to this you know, online, or if any of you here are not in Christ and, and you don't believe this, you should want it to be true. <laughs> because it's the world that we all desire and want to have, isn't it? It's all what we yearn for. It's all, this true story of the world is the story that I think C.S. Lewis said this. I know Tim Keller has repeated this. This is the story that all of our other stories, good stories, are based off of, right? There's, there's this great star, evil comes into the picture, and then there's this king who comes, this knight in shining armor, to rescue and redeem it. They, any good story that you watch, any good movie that you watch, have these themes in it. Why do we yearn for this? It's because we were created for it. And it's the truest thing. It's, at the re, it's behind everything. This amazing story of redemption. Um, Revelation 21, 2-5, I think Sarah read these verses, or at least part of them, kind of sum up these four things that I mentioned to you. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Where does this leave us today? Well, let me offer you kind of four points by way of application. Hopefully they'll be helpful to you. Number one, God is not dragging his feet. Um, for those of us who are in Christ through repentance and faith, we know that we haven't received a new body yet. <laughs> We know that our outward body is continuing to decay. And what's confusing, and it was confusing to Jesus' first disciples, and I think it continues to be for us today, is that God's restoration project didn't happen all at once. Jesus, you know, it got officially launched at his resurrection. And 2,000 years later, it's still not completed. That's hard. It's like my deck project. That's what it's like. Is God dragging his feet? Is he holding out on us? Well, 
the Apostle Peter, he spoke to this concern in 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So, we know at least one reason why God has taken this long to complete his restoration project is because he wants more people to believe in and receive Jesus so that they can be a part of his amazing new world that got off the ground with Jesus' resurrection. Now, secondly, God's restoration project has been spreading ever since Jesus' resurrection, okay? How so? God is renewing individually, individuals inwardly, leading to outward behavioral change. That's how God's renewal project is continuing to spread and has since Jesus' resurrection. John 1, 12 and 13 says this. Remember these verses? But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see, John 3 tells us a little bit more about what it means to be born again. And this is what it means. It means to have the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, come and take up residence inside of you, implant Christ's nature inside of you, so that you are a new creation, and so that over time you have an entirely new set of desires, motives, priorities, goals, dreams, visions, it is to have your old heart that was unresponsive to God and His Spirit to be, have a new heart that is now responsive and animated by God's Spirit. This is how God's restoration project is continuing and has for the last 2,000 years. Thirdly, God's Spirit at work inside of individual human hearts is evidence that God's renewal project is progressing, which I've already said, but it's also evidence and a guarantee that God will bring it to completion. It is, the scriptures talk about it as a deposit. Um, the Apostle Paul, this is, this point, number three here, is what kept the Apostle Paul going. Um, he wrote this in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 18. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. What caused Paul not to lose heart? His inward man was being renewed by the Holy Spirit. And so that kept him going. Right? For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So Paul also had this focus on the world that would be when God's restoration project was complete. That the Holy Spirit inside of him was like Paul understanding, like, it's going to happen. That's my guarantee that I know it's going to come to completion. That's what kept Paul going. Um, it's interesting because Paul will suffer more, much more than probably every, he did suffer more than probably everybody in this room, drastically more. 
And what's incredible is Paul was able to say, despite all of that pain, that what God was doing inwardly inside of him and what God would one, do, one day do when he completes his restoration project was so, <laughs> it so outweighed all of his sufferings, which were great. But compared to the greatness of God's promised future, they were light and momentary. You know, having this perspective is going to carry us along today. That's point number four here, as far as application. As we wait for Jesus to return and make all things new, we get to choose our perspective. We get to choose what we're going to focus on. I appreciate what Sarah said at the beginning of our service. I think she said it here too, I hope. It was really good. But basically she was saying, like, look, there's a real temptation to focus on all the darkness that is in our world. But we don't have to because there is so much light because God's restoration project is underway. And it is spreading. And there is more rays of light shining in the darkness all around us. What perspective are we going to choose to focus on this Christmas season. Um, you know, my, my side of the family has decided not to get together for Christmas. And that's a hard thing, right? Like to, to not see the people you love the most on the most, one of the most special days of the year. Um, and, you know, but here's the thing. Uh, this promise that we have of God's new world, I'm going to have an eternity to celebrate and, and enjoy their company and presence in a way that's far beyond what I'm able to enjoy now. And so I can forego things in this life and sacrifice them knowing that whatever I sacrifice in this life is going to be made up for a hundredfold in the life to come. We're going to talk about generosity in our next sermon series. This is key to living a generous life. If you believe this life is all there is, then you better get as much joy and pleasure out of it as you can before you die, and it's over. But if you know that you're going to live your best life um, in the new world, you're willing to forgo a lot of things in this life. Um, that's getting into the next sermon series. Um, let me just say this, and I'll wrap up. Here's, here's the light you can focus on this Christmas. How has God inwardly changed you if you're in Christ? Think about it. How has he given you a new heart, new desires, new direction, new meaning, new purpose? Celebrate. How has God changed hearts of people you love and is continuing to do so and renew them? Celebrate. How have you seen God's light just burst forth from his people to shine in the dark places of the world in 2020? Celebrate. I mean, for example, CityServe, right now the team is getting together gifts that our people have put together in our life groups so that families who would really have nothing for their kids for Christmas are going to have something for them. That's, that's light to celebrate. And guess what? Relationships are being formed with these families. That they're actually texting us back without us even asking them. Showing us, as Andrea Paulson told me, about this Christmas tree they got from somehow through CityServe. And 
texting us, celebrating that they have something like that for Christmas with, for their family. There's so much to celebrate. There's so much life because Jesus has come. He is Emmanuel. He is with us. His restoration project is going forth. Light is shining. And guess what? The darkness can't overcome it. The one who has started this good work will bring this good work to completion. Amen. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for you. You are such an amazing God and Savior. Thank you that uh, what you have done at Christmas is truly good news. That you have done everything um, so that we could be adopted into your family, receive uh, a new birth, so that we could be renewed inwardly, one day be renewed outwardly with our, our bodies, so that we could one day rule with you in the new world. Uh, what, what an amazing story. Thank God it is true. Lord, we love you. Help us to focus on the light that uh, you're allowing to burst forth in this dark place. Help us to focus on that. Help us to celebrate it. Help us uh, to worship you more fully for it. It's in your name, mighty Jesus. That we pray. Amen.